Hello, everybody. Welcome to Anime is for Jerks. Uh, and this month, we are discussing Ayakashi Samurai Horror Tales, uh, directed by Tetsuo Imazawa, Kozo Nagayama, and Kenji Nakamura, uh, and produced by Toei Animation and Alex. Did you did you like this show? Uh, parts of it. Um, we're talking about four, but this this is what actually what Dan Savage was talking about when he said it gets better <laughs> because <laughs> it does get better. It consistently gets better. Uh, and the well, thing funny. Is, if, what go are you ahead. Gonna, what are you gonna say? I was to say funny thing is when I was looking at the Wikipedia that uh, the U.S. edition re- actually reordered them yeah yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah the 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 first two stories are swapped presumably so that it can strictly get better instead of having like a soggy (laughs) soggy midsection maybe yeah they reordered them to put the worst one first and then like the mediocre one in the middle and then like the kind of pretty good one last um so what so this show is a it's an anthology series uh it consists of three stories told across 11 episodes so it's it's two four episode stories and then one three episode story um and so the first story is uh tenshu monogatari which is based on a play by uh kyoke izumi uh which is uh, the play was written in i believe 1910 somewhere around there uh, but it's set in like edo period classic samurai shit uh, classic, lots of classic samurai shit. Yeah, because that's the thing. That's the thing that ties all of these together is that they're all sort of set in in samurai times. Um, and then so after that on the U.S. release, so that that's the second one on the in, in on the Japanese release, but on the U.S. DVD release, that's the second one. That's the first one, and then the second one is the Yatsuya Kaizan, which is uh, a an 18th century kabuki based on an 18th century kabuki play by Nanboku Tsuruyo the Fourth. The fourth. The fourth. Um, and then the last one is Bake Neko, which is a completely original story uh, written just for the show. And then Bake Neko, that story, or like the character of the medicine seller from that story, he has a spinoff that I want, kind of oh. want to watch for the show. So there's a spinoff called Mononoke that's just about him. It's a miniseries, like it's like a 12 episode miniseries that's just, that's just about him. And done in the style of that one. So all three stories have, as you can probably tell by the fact that there are three directors listed, they're all directed by different people. Uh, and they're all written by different people. So the first, yeah, they're, they're written by uh, Chiaki uh, Konaka and Yuji Sakamoto and Michiko Yokote. Um, so, yes. So the first so the first story... Oh, Chiaki Konaka was uh, Lane. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, which one did they write? Uh, Yatsuya Kaidan. Uh, okay, the so the the, the middling the middling one. Yeah, the the one that's like kind of okay. Um, because like it's not just it's the, the the thing is is that it gets better across the board. Like each successive story is better looking than the previous one as right, well. Right. Yeah. Which is 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 very strange because like the first so like the first story on the US DVD. The first was, one looked like it's from the ninety like it, a low budget nineties anime. Well it, no, it looked like a no low budget early two thousands anime. Um, it, it, cause it, it's very cl- cause like a low budget nineties anime would still be traditionally animated, whereas this right. is very clearly digital. Um, right. and it takes until Baki Neko for them to sort of figure out how to make digital animation look good. Yeah. Um but by Attention yeah, Monogatari, it has its moments, mostly when stuff isn't moving too much, where it looks fine. And then <laughs> whenever stuff starts moving around, it starts looking like garbage. 
Yeah. Um, it just it just looks cheap. The other thing that we should probably talk about uh, is the opening music to this anime, which <laughs> caught me so off guard when I started it. Yeah, it is. I, uh, it is. Uh... I would. I can't decide if it's good. <laughs> it's not. I, I think it might be. I think it might be good. <laughs> it's like it's this weird. It's like a hip hop song. It reminds me of a lot of like the music from the Persona games. It's like a hip hop song, but like built on samples of like Koto and Shamisen. And like, but like, oh, it's so weird. It's such a weird thing. It's so tonally incongruous with everything else. It's so funny. Um, it's, I don't, I don't know if it's good. You should listen to it. I will say, I don't know if you should watch this show, but you should definitely, whether you think it's good or bad, listen to the opening song. <laughs> Yeah, by contrast, the closing one is is nice. The closing one is fine. I kept every single time that the closing song came on. They don't do this in Baka and Neko, but they have this like flute outro come on for the first two stories, and I kept yeah. thinking that it was the saxophone opening to "Run Away with Me" by Carly Rae Jepsen. <laughs> I kept thinking that, and I was just like, "What?" Uh, I think I had a different um, association, but now I've forgotten what it was. Damn. Um, so yeah, my notes for like first episode of Tenshi Monogatai are just like nice bird, later bird friend, later bird fucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so immediately the the thing that struck me very quickly about this show is that it's not scary. Uh, <laughs> it's not scary, and it's not only not it's not not scary in the way that like bad horror movies are typically not scary it's yeah. ba- not scary in a way that feels like it was never even intended to be scary right right yeah um, it's, not, it's not even trying to be scary. like i realized sort of halfway through that the tonally what these stories especially the first two but also bake neko to a certain extent what the the tone that they remind me of is like macbeth right they're mostly tragedies yeah they're tra- they're very classic tragedies um that just happen to have a supernatural element but it's like man if this is horror then like hamlet is horror because there's a ghost in it (laughs) yeah yeah you know but like like the characters are scared of stuff more than the audience is ever expected (laughs) to be scared of stuff right um which is definitely it was it was sort of unexpected and not not necessarily bad it was just it took it took some adjusting yeah Um, because i can't I can't imagine a person who would be scared by this. Um, and, and like, because the other thing was like, well, when I, when I was watching, uh, when I was watching this, uh, I was like, well, maybe this was made for like a younger demographic. So it's not like as scary as it could be. But then I yeah. looked, I looked it up and it was broadcast in Fuji TV's like late night programming block for adults. And Bake Neko is very much not for young adults. Oh yeah. Like none of these are for kids. You know, or definitely not for American but I mean, kids. But I, mean, I, I mean, like Yotsu, uh, Tenshi Monogatari, like is kind of it's kind of an all ages. Yeah, uh, it's a little violet at the end. It's, but... little, it's a little sexy in the middle, but like it's it's an <laughs> amount of violence and sexiness that I feel like American children are are will, will never be exposed to, but Japanese children are pretty regularly exposed to. Yeah. Um. Mm. Uh. But it, yeah, it's it's so so this was this is definitely made for adults. Or at least older teenagers, but it's still and part part of it is also some some of it. It's like you can kind of tell that maybe this is supposed to be a jump scare, but it's just not mm-hmm. animated well enough um, yeah. to be scary. But anyway, let's talk about Tenshi Monogatari. So 
Um, so it's four episodes. Uh, so it's about, it is, it's basically the note that I took on it when I finished it was, oh, this is just Romeo and Juliet, but instead of Romeo and Juliet dying, everybody else dies. <laughs> Which is a better ending. Honestly. Eh. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's about this, uh, this falconer. Um, all of the names in this show are all like very old school Japanese names that you never hear anymore. So this guy's name is Zushonosuke. Which is a name I've never heard before. A name I've never, I've actually never heard anybody called Zushonosuke before. Um, and so he, uh, he's like, he's a falconer for this asshole, uh, like his lord, who's just like a weird asshole, um, who stupidly, like, basically lets, accidentally, like, lets this falcon loose. Uh, in the rain and it gets and it and it flies away and Zushinosuke is sent to to retrieve it uh and he retrieves it or or he he tracks it to this or while looking so so the first thing that happens is that while looking for it he um discover he finds this like just like woman bathing in the woods who looks kind of like a fish person like like the <laughs> low the lowest key fish person <laughs> It's just that her eyes are a little too far apart. Right. Um, and she has those funny little um, markings on her forehead. Yeah. Which look like could be weird fish uh, aspects. Yeah. She looks, yeah, she's like 1% of a fish. She's 1% fish, 99% person. <laughs> fish can be people. Fish are people too. That's what I, the Guillermo del Toro taught me that. Um, so, so yeah, so he meets her and she doesn't speak to him and she's just like mysterious lady in the woods. She just like gets dressed and then walks away. Um, and then he meets these sort of recurring characters, one of whom is a kappa and then, or kappa, uh, and the other one is is i don't know what it is like a frog dude and then there's like a, a, a like a one who looks more like a dude but still kind of fishy um <laughs> and they're just sort of like weird guys who hang out and they inform him <laughs> yeah yeah they're always they're always doing that laugh um and they so they tell this guy that like that lady that she that he just interacted with is a forgotten god um and I don't. I don't remember the exact sequence of events because he meet. Then he then meets her again and gives her some like dango. Uh, uh, I thought that was at the same time. Is it, was no, because because she just walks away initially. Oh. Okay. Uh, and then they meet again, and he gives her some of the dango. Dango, and then and then the spirits attack, and and like his sword breaks and cuts her shoulder. This. And then he cuts off their tails, or she cuts off their tails. I forget which. Oh yeah, right. Because they, goes, they get robbed by the 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 kappa and the frog dude. Yeah. And then yeah, and then that happens after the dongo scene. All of this stuff kind of blends together. Because there's anyway, also a scene like, earlier than because there's also a scene like like the way that we're introduced to the, all of this is like this band of like horny bandits decide to oh, go yeah. into this abandoned castle in the woods despite the protestations of an old woman and then they all get murdered um, and and slurped up for their life juices. Uh, uh, but so yeah, um, 
the point is that he tries to like defend her, and then um, set, and then set, and then the evil spirits are sent packing, and she gives him a little smooch smooch. Yeah, and um, then and then you know, you know everything happy, everything's happy ever after. Yeah. So then the Lord basically they find out that the castle has got that has gone to the weird creepy castle where the demons are said to be. And so Zushinosuke is then he gets told you need to go there to get the falcon back. Um, Because the other thing that we're introduced to around this time is Zushinosuke's wife. uh, Who becomes kind of important later. Um, Yeah, so Shizu. Uh, And uh, so Zushinosuke, you know, he packs up his stuff and he goes there and he he joins forces with the the demons that that tried to rob him earlier. um, Because they want to go in there and rob the castle. Uh, and then so yeah, so, so he goes so in, the, he, the, the, yeah, they he, get surrounded, and the, the demons ha- have some weird um, kind of sudden fit of um, nobil or chival- chivalry, and 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 are like, save yourself, we'll fight off the yeah. Because like when you walk in, there's like a bunch of like hot ladies show up, and you're supposed to be like, oh, hot ladies, and then they kill you. Yeah. Um, uh, so they also they surround uh, Zushinosuke and the, the evil the demons, and then they they try to fight and get their asses handed to them. And then so then that's why yeah. Then the demons are like, "Go, we love you. Be safe. Live, live for us." Exactly like that verbatim. And then yeah. he goes upstairs and finds Tomi. Uh, the queen princess. Yeah, she's a princess. Goddess. Her name is Tomehime, so she's a princess. Yes, yes. But where's the queen then? I think. Well, I think the queen's a bird. Oh right, her mom. Yes. Spoilers. So yeah. So uh, anyway, find- he, go, he anyway he goes upstairs. There's there's bird and Tomi, and he's the like bird that he's bird? looking for. And she's like, no, bird is my mom. And he's no, like, she, wow. No, she says, it's my bird. And he says, well, no, it's my bird. I raised it from an egg. And then she says, no, 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 no. The part where it became my bird happened before that. And, and yeah. he's just like, what? What? Pikachu face? And uh, then they fuck? Am I getting this? The order correct? I don't think they fuck immediately. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, like, the yeah, next... No, she tells, she tells him the story about, about how her mother fell in love with a human uh, and then the human betrayed her, and because of the mixing of humans and goddesses and the betrayal, their their little castle uh, went into decline. And yeah, now the other thing about this is it's almost like a, the the classic reverse Persephone. Mm. He, he gives her the reverse Persephone. Of oh, the Dango. No, uh, well, yeah, I guess the dango, but like just sort of the like, idea of like yeah, like the pomegranate seeds. Yeah, like exactly like the pomegranate seeds, but not not quite as bad as the pomegranate seeds. Like those aren't that's not, not the tipping point, but mm. also, but just sort of like the idea of like you go into a place, like instead of like Persephone going into a place and getting seduced by Hades and Hades' amazing pomegranate seeds, <laughs> um, uh, instead we get the dude going into the underworld and seducing the person who's in the underworld with Dango. Yeah, it's true. It's, um, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, the curse of her family line apparently is to fall in love with humans. Yeah. And so yeah, so now she's doing it. Yeah. Cause if you fall in love with a human, you die, you'd be stop being immortal. 
and then you turn into a bird. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. Well, did you turn into a bird because of the human, or was like I never got that? I never got the it's mechanics just behind she, that. She dies and turns into a bird. I guess is that all gods do? When they that's die? apparently what ha- what all gods do when they die, because that's what all of them do when they die at the at the end of the play. Is that they're all they all turn into birds? I didn't know they all died. I thought we just no, said yeah, they all die. Romeo and Juliet, so they don't die. Romeo and Juliet don't die, but everybody else dies. Uh, and, but, it tell, and it tells you that everybody else dies because the camera pans to the sky and you see a bu- you see one bird for every single forgotten god that's died. Um, wait, I thought the three birds were OG Mom Bird, Tomi, and Zushinosuke. No, Tomi and Zushinosuke couldn't be the birds because they're they're not dead. You become a bird. That's why I was die. confused. You become a bird the when you die. Then? The birds are the other de- the other forgotten gods. But there were a, it was a lot more than three of them. Died. Well, there were two of them we saw die. I thought there was like four or five. There are four or five. There are more than that. But those, yes, those birds are the the other forgotten gods. Because you become uh, a bird. If you're a forgotten god, when you die, you become a bird. Okay. They couldn't be bothered to animate more birds, but this is absolutely the way that it happens. I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for this one. Uh, so, let's see. Then, Duder is like, uh, let's go go see the world and she's like okay and then they um go well yeah do tourist, like, tourist stuff i don't go do tourist <laughs> stuff but like we're running away to the next town over and then the old lady shows up and is like you shouldn't you probably should have run further because i just i could just walk to the next town over and you were here uh, and she has a rat up her sleeve for some reason free rat she has a free rat <laughs> yeah there's like this is a, 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 a theme of the of the um all three the there's rats. Yeah. There's oh, a there's, rat. There, yeah, there's rats. No, there's, there's hella rats in the third one. Like, Duder is like, why Why are there no cats for all these rats? Well, there's rat traps. Do we ever see an actual rat? Do we actually do we see an actual, actual, factual rat show? Yes, we do. I, I'm pretty sure we do. Okay, good. Thank God for that. Where, um, okay, we'll, we'll get to the rat. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sleeve, sleeve rat is this episode's rat. Yeah, uh, uh, and then good. she's He's like, and "Come back to the castle," and then for some reason they do. They do. It's yeah, like true. she she provides like no compelling argument. She's just like, "Return to the castle," and they're like, "Okay," and then they return to the castle. Um, well, I mean, Tommy knows that like if she doesn't want to bring down the castle, and, yeah. Because apparently, well, the weird thing is like if she falls in love, they all lose their mortality. Yes, or the immortality. Yeah, she's like the. the 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 pillar yeah and so she knows that like she has to kick out zushinosuke and so that's why she does it yeah so she tells him to leave and never come back and so he leaves and then it also informs him just now that spending a day in the castle is a year in the rest of the world so everybody just thinks he's dead yeah um and then he goes back but he brings with him this comb that fell out of uh tomihime's hair like way way back and he brings with him this comb just, I, almost accidentally i think and then spends some time back at home with his his actual wife instead of this other lady that he's cheating with um and then she finds the comb and for some reason understands its importance um well yeah i mean she she had suspicions that i'm not sure how where she got the suspicions from like back when he met her at the lake and and 
kissed her for the first time, like, yeah, she she figured she parsed out that um, he met someone or something, and so, and he's and his he's been preoccupied ever since, and he doesn't love her like he used to, and so she finds the comb, and she starts to put the pieces together, and yes. so in her in her anger in her in her jealousy and her desperation she does something very stupid yeah she goes and tells the lord something i forget what she Uh, tells him that i think that the falcon is in the castle yeah um and then he's like okay well it's or like yeah, she. Yeah, the, she oh, because because she was there because she because when oh, he yeah. left the castle after his day and her year, she was outside. She'd been she'd been sneaking around trying to like look for him, and so she saw him, and then I think she saw Tommy up in the top floor with the falcon, and so that's that's yeah. And so then the no, Lord no decides sleuthing, no sleuthing required. Lord to figure decides to order the castle destroyed. Um, and so then Zoshinosuke returns to the castle to warn them, and then warns them, like, as the attack is happening, they're like, great warning, asshole. <laughs> um, and so then they fight them back initially, uh, and then, like, after a little while, like, the relationship between Zoshinosuke and Tomi, like, causes them to be weakened and wounded, and so... Right. They start dying and, and getting killed by, by the encroaching army who also sets the, the place on fire. Um, and then Zoshinosuke starts, like, turning into a demon, like he, mm-hmm. which in this world means that his, his like, face gets really veiny. Yeah, he, he, gets, he gets all, all grossly swole. Yeah, and so then his wife doesn't want to be, doesn't want to be with him anymore because he's got a gross, veiny face, which, like, shows how much of a fair-weather wife she was. <laughs> <laughs> Worthless bitch. Jesus. <laughs> Um, well, she also she also tries to stab Tommy. So yes, she does stab Tommy. That's, that's probably the probably the worst transgression. Well, I mean, she I does. Feel like, stab I feel her, like if you've been cheated on, stabbing the person who your husband is cheating on you with is kind of justified at the very least in in samurai times. I'm not in, sure. In, tra- in, in, in Shakespearean tragedy logic, it, it's it absolutely been, it, it may it may be explicable. I don't know if it's, it's absolutely. If it's, I I, I it's support justifiable. her. I, frankly, frankly, one of the things that that was weird about this story that got completely redeemed in the second story in in Yosuo Kaidan is the fact that this guy is just like portrayed as like the beleaguered, forbidden love hero, despite the fact that he's cheating on his wife and is an asshole. Yeah, he's a dick, but like he's he's a real dick, and he cheats on his wife, and then we're supposed to like root for him. No, I'm rooting for Tommy. Tommy is also an asshole. <laughs> like you're all you're complicit in his asshole. I don't think she, I don't think she understands like human marriage. She's a god. It's her job to know this stuff. <laughs> the whole point of forgotten gods is that they're not supposed to interact with humans. They so, like, interact with humans, but like she, like look, he one he has a responsibility. To not do this shit, but, like, she also has a responsibility. Also, in what way is it rooting for her that it's, like, good for her to lose her immortality and fall in love with some dickhead? Oh, no, he, she shouldn't. She should have done her own thing. Yeah. 
But I'm just saying I don't like I didn't I wasn't I wasn't down with her getting stabbed. I'm I I feel I I I feel like she, she maybe stabbed the wrong person and that Shushinosuke <laughs> yeah, was perhaps more deserving, but it's it's understandable. I understand the stabbing. I I didn't say I don't understand it. I understand her uh Oshizu's like why she did it. I'm just I just think she shouldn't have. There's a difference between under like understanding and condoning. Fair enough. Like I, I, I get what led her to do it. I, I, I Oshizu, I she Oshizu did nothing wrong. This is Oshizu my, No, yeah, I'll Oshizu, die on this hill. Oshizu got the short end of every stick in this show. Yeah. Um so yeah, and then the building collapses and then Doshinosuke fights a bunch of dudes uh because he's a demon now so he's super powerful and then everybody dies except for them and then they're standing in the ruins of the castle and then there's falcons and the end the end Um, yeah it it reminds me of a lot of other like forbidden love stories it's you know reminds me obviously of romeo and juliet a whole lot um but like reverse romeo and juliet reminds me of uh you know persephone and, and hades um you know it's 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 just kind of boring. <laughs> it's not very interesting. Mm-hmm. It gets sort of progressively more interesting as they spend less time talking and more time fighting. There's also this weird monologue that Zerkinoske goes on about how, about like, like, the, like literally like seconds after they've had sex where he talks about like this kaleidoscope that his dad had when he was a child. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like the, and I'm just like, what do you, what's wrong with you? Like what, <laughs> what makes you think that this is an appropriate moment to talk about your fucking kaleidoscope? <laughs> Doesn't Toby say, I wish I was that kaleidoscope? Yeah, she does say that. It's weird. It's a weird situation. God, I wish that were me. God, I wish that were me. Uh, But yeah. Yeah. Uh, It gets better over the course of the story as, as, like, the sort of stuff happens. But, like, I I was unimpressed. Yeah, this one isn't worth watching. No. Uh... There's something slightly more worth watching. There's the second story, which is Yotsuya Kaidan. Hell yeah. Um, so Yotsuya Kaidan is like, it's got a, its whole own Wikipedia page, uh, which describes it as arguably the most famous Japanese ghost story of all time. It has been adapted for film over 30 times. It continues to be an influence on Japanese horror today. Um, which is also weird because it's, again, not a horror story. It's a tragedy. Well, what I didn't realize is that uh, it was the inspiration for The, for the Ring. Uh, it was an inspiration for the ring, but yeah. I thought. Uh, let's see. What is the What did the Wikipedia say? <laughs> Which is where all truth comes from. Popularity. Uh, uh, so, Film adaptations. So, oh, so it's her, her, the character from the ring is a clear homage to Oiwa. Yeah. The final appearance is a direct adaptation, including the cascading hair and drooping malformed eye yeah um yeah i definitely like that is a thing in in japanese horror is the idea of the vengeful ghost um or like the ghost who exacts revenge themselves because the idea of the vengeful ghost also exists in like western horror but like king hamlet is like a vengeful ghost but he can't do anything on his own so he has to like enlist his son to do shit and (laughs) his son doesn't fucking do anything and his son dies These ghosts are a lot more efficient, let me tell you. They're a lot better, because they can curse people directly. Um, 
Never do anything that a dead person wouldn't like. Yeah, they're doers. Never if you're in Japan, never do anything that a dead person wouldn't like. Anyway, so the Yasuya Kaidan. It's about it's about this guy. So this guy's name is is Yemen Tamiya. Yemon. Yemon, which I read for three episodes as Lemon. So I'm gonna call him Lemon because it's funny. So Lemon is an asshole. He's a big time asshole. He's just the worst fucking piece of shit. He's like this story very much reminds me of Macbeth, um, in that mm. because Macbeth is also an asshole. Uh, <laughs> I have, that's know, one I haven't read or seen. Um, Macbeth is an asshole, and he murders his way into power, and then gets murdered. Uh, Chill. And then, but he also it also sort of reminds me of like Othello in a certain way. Because mm. um, Yemen is kind of like Iago, right, and it also yeah. sort of it also reminds me of uh, Richard the Third, because Yemen's kind of like I Richard the Third, but like way yeah. a way shittier Richard the Third. I mean, Nauske is a little bit, yeah. I mean, he's just he's just a he's just a bargain bin version of Yet Lemon. Yeah. Uh, so, like any comparisons, will yeah. apply to him as well. Yeah, so like, uh, there's so definitely, like, so it, what, doesn't, it doesn't map night neatly onto, like, the, it's not like an adaptation of Macbeth or anything like that, uh, but there is definitely the same sort of thing of, like, this guy, like, an ambitious guy who decides to do some murdering, um, and, like, because uh, if, if, if you actually want Samurai Macbeth, you should watch the film Throne of Blood by Akira Kurosawa, um, which mm. is literally Samurai Macbeth. It's fucking great. But, yeah, so Lemon is this uh, Ronin who... What, what let's see was he engaged to oiwa so he, then, he wanted to marry oiwa right. and then but his, he, her dad before, didn't want that i thought they were i thought they were engaged and then his lord died making him a ronin yeah and then, yeah, I think and that's, then that's right. when his father said fuck this um you're no longer good enough and so lemon kills dad right and <laughs> Meanwhile, apparently this is like this is like the the the, the trail the murder trail because like a couple of yards away, Nausuke has also killed someone. Uh, so he so so Nausuke is in love with this sex worker uh, who um, Osode, who's Oiwa's sister-in-law. Yes, and. Uh, Who's also who's already married, um, but uh, Nausuke goes to her brothel, and she's like, "No, I I have the right to refuse services. Yeah. I don't like you. Get the fuck out of here!" And he gets super pissed. And then the manager and Osode's husband come over and are like, "Fuck out of here!" And so Nausuke is all pissed. So um, that night he. Thinks he kills the husband. Turns out he killed someone else, disguised as a husband for some weird reason. Um, yeah, that's how you know this is like a classic tragedy. Is that like everybody's like people are like disguised as other people for yeah. no clear reason, and like everybody's just <laughs> like everybody's the first solution to any problem is murder. Yeah. So anyway, Nausuke and Lemon like look across the the hilltop at each other. They're like, "Yo." You just you killed just someone? Yeah, you <laughs> I just killed someone! 
<laughs> Let's hide the bodies together. Uh, they don't hide the bodies. They like pretend that the bodies were killed by bandits and they just discovered them. Right, and then right. They execute then, their incredible plan where Lemon decide goes up to um, Oiwa and is like, and is like, well, we, well, now there's no, there's no obstacle in our way. We should get married uh, so that I can avenge your father uh, for you. So that like your revenge will become my revenge. And similarly, uh, Nasuke goes up to uh, uh, Ume and says and says like we should pretend to be husband and wife we can sleep in separate rooms we should pretend to be husband and wife so that i can exact revenge on your behalf um, now the fake relationship is just an overused fanfic trope i can't believe <laughs> um, um so yeah so so clever clever boys uh, and then lemon uh, uh, Oyua gives birth to a child, and then Oyua like has like a postpartum illness, and Lemon be- like stops liking her very much, and so then promises to like gets involved in this weird conspiracy with these other this other family. So so little Yand- Yandere um, Ume uh, meets Lemon in the street, and is like, "Holy shit, he's cool." And so she, her, like, is it her mother or her, her like, father? Well, who who comes and brings the oh yeah, the it's her medicine or I, her like? I think it's her mother. It's somebody. Okay, it's just was, somebody from her family. Yeah, and so she has a scheme to f- uh, fuck with Oiwa, and so mother brings this medicine to help dear Oiwa with her postpartum. Um, troubles unspecified illness and says oh oh lemon come say hello to your to us your neighbors your dear neighbors and he's like anything to get me out of this house uh and yeah and then the patriarch of the jams family, over there yeah and the pa- and they're, they're having dinner and the patriarch of the family is like you should marry my daughter and then he's like, well, I can't just, like, divorce my wife without a good reason. Uh, and then he says, uh, well, one, I've poisoned your wife. And then secondly, uh, Oume just, like, pulls out a knife. And is like, I'll kill myself if you don't marry me. Two uh, good reasons. And he's like, okay, Jesus Christ. Um, holy shit, you people are crazy, but fine. Um, and, uh, so then Oyua, meanwhile, Oyua is getting her face permanently disfigured by the poison. Yeah, so in the, in the original, it was supposed to be a face cream that fucked up your face, which makes a lot more sense than what they do here, which is, a, a like a, a powder like a she drank, and <laughs> it, and it, like, it just face fucks hurting up part juice. of her, immediately fucks up part of her face. Yeah. Uh, but... Anyway, so and yeah, then, her face gets turbo fucked, uh, and then and then he tells this other guy, one of his servants, who looks exactly like the bald guy who looks like a thumb from Yakuza Zero. Uh, uh, oh, kind of. Um, Shimano. Shimano. Yeah, it looks exactly like boy. Shim- yeah, Shimano <laughs> from from Yakuza Zero and also Yakuza One briefly. Rip in peace. No, he's a, he's he's a big part of Yakuza One. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He dies. And he, in he, but he dies at the end of Yakuza yeah. One. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he he tells him like, I don't want my wife anymore. You, if you want her, you can have her. If not, just kill her. Um, you know, like you do, because Lemon's a fucking asshole. Oh, oh Lemon. Uh, and so then Takoetsu, the thumb thumb guy, 
goes into the house and is like, surprise, surprise, you want a massage? And then is like, not really. And he's like, great, and starts massaging her. Uh, yeah, so he, he tries to rape her. And then, like, as soon as she resists, he realizes what he's doing and is like, oh, maybe God. not. I'm bad, sorry. Bad idea. Uh, uh, but little too, uh, too little too late like she realizes what's going on that yeah Lemon, he tells her basically um, he like spills the whole beans to her because he feels so bad yeah and then so she yeah she she had tr- she was had tried to stab him with a knife it got stuck it got stuck in the wall and then and then um she's freaking out about her husband leaving her her face being fucked up her this 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 buddy of hers and this is all happening while lemon is getting married to the other girl and so like she freaks out and like she tries to go over there runs into the knife stuck in the wall like is that what happens i think so i think so i thought she was just she just died like she or like i i I interpreted it as like she was poisoned and her distress at this situation exacerbated the poison because, like, 18th century tragedy logic, and then she died. Well, see, in, in the in the original, it says, uh, let's see, um, Takuetsu, the servant, tries to grab her when she's in a when she's freaking out, but she uh, accidentally punctures her own throat with the sword's tip. That so does not. Thought, ha- that definitely doesn't happen in the end. No, it doesn't. But I thought they were like. I thought they were trying to do something similar. Where because there's a there's a I don't, spray. I don't, there's a spray of blood from her neck when she dies. Um, I think uh, what what's because ha- like the thing that happens is she like tries to comb her hair and she does it so forcefully she pulls out huge chunks of her hair and blood comes out. Right, because um, well, because well, I think that's because of the, it, the, the the damaged skin on that side of her face, but. With like with the sword being there and the spray of blood and what it happens in the original, I think they they're trying to do something cute, but it makes no sense. Yeah. Anyway, the point I is, I yeah, I don't remember the spray of blood. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. She dies. Uh, Lemon comes home, like looks around, like, all right, oh, everything's yeah. been taken care of. Uh, and then earlier that day, earlier in the story, he there was this servant who tried to steal medicine from him, and so yeah. he like tied that guy up and just had him in his closet for like right. an unspecified amount of time. Who knows how long? Right. Um, and so it's just like, all right, well, I'll you know you'll be useful to me. Pulls out this hapless servant, kills him, and then ties for some reason tie like nails them both to a large door and then throws them into the river. And, like, they, they talk about, like, oh, we're trying to suggest that they were lovers. And it's like, if they were lovers, why would they both be nailed to a door? Is that what lovers well, do? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I assume that, like, what they were what they were trying to uh, frame it as was Lemon caught them ah. and killed them both. I don't know if that if there's any symbolic meaning to the door. I feel like, uh, I feel like the door is probably just what they had laying around. Right. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's any symbolic meaning for the door. But yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, so then Lemon gets gets married, and then they go home on their wedding night, and then Lemon in the night is like plagued by visions of Oiwa and and sees her, and then swings a sword and accidentally kills his bride, 
and then goes out into the hallway and there's somebody who's like hey and then, and then her dad is there and he's like hey what the fuck did you just do and then he sees him he hallucinates that he is the the servant that he killed and then kills him and then there's like a lady with a baby standing at the end of the hallway he's just like holy shit and then he doesn't kill her like they're just like looking at each other and he's just like you didn't see anything <laughs> Uh, so after that, his life takes a turn for the, for the worse. And he, so he, so he was marrying into her family, partly for the money, partly because he's an asshole. Um, and so in the next episode, it's not really sure, it's not really clear what his status is, but like his mother helps him like fake his death. Yeah. So, so like, Nausuke is, like, chilling at the river, trying to catch some eels, and he sees Lemon. He's like, yo, oh, shit, long time no see. And then he's, and then he's like, oh, they're having a conversation. Um, and then, is it is that Lemon's mom? I don't know who this uh, lady is. Okay. And then, so, uh, she, like, puts this, like, um, little death... What are, the, what are those things called? It's like a grave marker. A little grave marker by the river. And it's like, well, look, you're dead now. And he's like, uh, cool. <laughs> and, uh, and then he has more hallucinations and starts swinging his sword around and screaming. Then at some point he goes home and his dad disowns him on account of the killing. All, pe- all those people. And his mom's like, oh, don't worry so much about your dad. He's just in one of his moods. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Nasuke goes, goes back home where he's still having his fake relationship with uh, Osode. And he's like, no eels, but I found this cool comb. And she's like, what the fuck? That's Oiwa's comb. I, and then she goes on a long thing about how she misses her and she wants how she's doing. And Nasuke's like, <laughs> thinking to himself, oh, mm, 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 mm. not saying anything. Um, and then this other, this lady comes by and Sode is like, do you want me to wash anything for you? And she's like, yeah, wash this. Uh, robe and Osoda's like oh, this is always robe um, where'd you find it she's like haha on a corpse in the river <laughs> and Osoda's like what and, then and she's, she's like, like just, just kidding. kidding and walks away and Osoda's like what the fuck is going on today uh, and so she starts washing it anyway and then the water turns to blood or something not, not, not quite yet first um Shimano comes up. It's just a it's just a whole a whole hat trick of coincidences today. And why does he drop by? I forget. I don't remember. Um but she's like she's like, Oh, you're 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 one of Oiwa's servants. How's she doing? What's going on? How's everything? He's like, Oh girl, they're all turbo dead over there. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, then blood starts seeping out from the robe in the wash, the yeah. washing, wash tub. And they all freak the fuck out. And then it stops bleeding. And there's a comb 
again. Another con. Because, oh yeah, because 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 um yeah, when when she was oh, like, yeah, Oh, that's only was comb, he was like, Ha ha, no, it's not. Um and then she went back in the house and then um <clears throat> ghost hands come up out of the wash tub and grab the comb out of his out of his um shirt and take it back into the wash tub where the little ghost is is taking a bath. I have no memory of that. <laughs> you don't? Oh, you no. don't remember the ghost hands? I don't remember any of that. No, what I remember is the guy finding the comb in the river and then he brings it over and then she's like, if that's always comb. And then the guy, the Shimano comes over and he is like, and, and she's like, this is always comb. Did something happen to her? And she's just like, oh yeah, she's dead. Yep. And then they left. Uh, no, they're, they're definitely ghost hands. Yeah, I don't remember these ghost hands. It's, okay, you should watch it again. I will not. <laughs> Ah, uh, so then I guess we got a fourth coincidence. Uh, ex-husband, the one, the one that Nasuke thought he killed, but who was disguised as someone else, he shows up, yeah. uh, and Nasuke's like, "What the fuck, man? Really? I went to all that trouble." Um, and then Asode's like. Uh, can I talk to you here for a quick yosh, yomoshishi, ishichi? Um, and then... This is the weirdest part of it. Uh, so Nasuke gets all suspicious and jealous that she's gonna abandon the dude who tried to murder her husband and go off with her husband. Um, but then she comes out, she's like, oh no, oh no, we have a, I have a plan. Um, we're gonna kill. We're gonna kill him. Then we can be together forever. Uh, she's like, okay. So wait for the signal, and then stab him through the, through the, uh, the the screen. The, the screen. The shoji. And then, he, then he's like, oh, 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 excellent, a plot, a scheme. Uh, they just like, yes, yes, yes. Go, go, go. Get position. And then she goes back to her uh, actual husband. And it's like, oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, we're going to kill him when I give the signal. Stab him through the screen. And he's like, ah, yes, a scheme. They both stab the screen. And they and, stab her. Then she's there behind the screen. On, and they stab her on each side. And then they look over and see each other. They're like, hey, you're not dead. Who did I just stab? Oh, God. Oh, no. It's Asode, because she's so stricken with grief about her sister being dead, and everyone lying to her, and her life being just one series of tragedies after another, that she decides to one-up them all, and go out like a fucking boss. Yeah, and then Nasuke, the original original murdering asshole, uh, decides to commit seppuku. Yeah. Uh, and then, so, and, so he stabs himself and then decides, oh, now I need to, uh, first, before I finish stabbing myself, I need to deliver a bunch of exposition to you. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, oh, cause then she, then, um, for some reason she's carrying her will around with her, even though she's a young- certificate. Oh, her birth certificate, right. And, and it's just like, oh, in, yeah. it's not on her, it's just like in a drawer in the house, right? Okay. I don't know, but I don't know, I don't know how it suddenly... But also, it's kind of weird to just be carrying her, just have your birth certificate around. Right, right, exactly. That's why I was so confused. And then it turns out that Naosuke is uh, Osode's brother. Yes, oh, uh, that's so, why he kills himself. So yeah, so now we're getting Oedipus-ass vibes as well. And so... Yes, yeah, so he stabs himself, and then 
Then Yamoshichi's has to take it on himself to avenge Sode and Basically Oiwa. everybody. He takes it on himself to avenge everybody. Yeah, basically. So meanwhile, Lemon uh, okay, got I disowned. Was, so Yamoshichi is, is listed in here, and I, I think this is a typo, but it does say on the Wikipedia article for this that he is the suitor of Sode who thought that he had been killed by bandits. How do you he think thought- that you've been killed by bandits? <laughs> I feel like you, I would know if I had been killed by bandits. And if I hadn't been killed by bandits, I would be sure that I hadn't. Hey, this is, this is, this is, this is supernatural, remember? Oh, damn, I got killed by bandits again. Weird things can happen. Uh, And so, so Lemon is just like, just like being a fail son in his family house. I think, uh, yeah. and then his, and then and then his buddy, who's been with him um, the whole time, this kind of scraggy-looking fucker who's been just kind of skulking around in the background, is like, "All right, I've had enough of your shit. I'm leaving." Uh, and then he tries to leave, but then the ghost comes and uh, nails him to a wall and strangles him, and then uh, kills. Lemon's dad. There's also that weird sequence where he's where Lemon is like out in like an abandoned shack that he sees as like a regular shack, and there's like a zombie oh, in there. Yeah. I don't oh, remember yeah, that, how this fits into the plot, but he. Oh yeah, that's what his scraggly buddy decides to abandon him because yeah, Lemon Lemon is just like looking for a falcon as oh another you know, another another recurring theme. Yeah, falcons. Uh, and then yeah, he comes to this abandoned shack and there's a light on his side. And he opens up and there's this pretty girl. And she's like, oh, here, here the, here's the falcon. And it, we immediately know that she's untrustworthy because she's in a, a mysterious shack in the middle of nowhere and she has a spinning wheel. If you see a mysterious lady with a spinning wheel in a Jap- and you're in a Japanese folktale, run. Any folktale, really. Uh, and so they sit down for a little meal. Then he tries to make out with her. She's like, oh, you're very forward. Um, and, and then... Let's see. Yeah, scraggly, scraggly dude um, catches up and like peeks through a hole in the screen door and sees Lemon uh, sitting there with like a zombie, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "What the fuck, man? This is this is this has gone too far. Murdering women, I can handle, but fucking zombies." zombies. And so he he hightails it and then. The lady slash zombie turns into Oiwa and um, does her little her little song and dance. Yeah, so then he hightails it back to his home, gets dis dis gets disinherited, disinherited. You said it correct. You said it correctly the first time. Oh well, and then, um, and then the rats. Yes. This is, yeah, the fucking rats, man. They're like a bunch of rats that kill people. And then... And so, and so yeah, so he and his mother are, are like hanging out and he's freaking out about ghosts. And then a bunch of rats just suddenly bust into the room, eat his mom, and run right back out the door. And he's like, well, shit. Uh, yeah, and there's, I think some more stuff happens, because then he, the only thing that I remember after this, <laughs> yes, more. 
is he gets into a sword fight with Zaman gets into a sword fight with Yamashichi and then is about to win the sword fight and then he gets cocky and then a million billion rats bust out of the snow and eat him until he's yeah. just completely gone. Yeah, and then Yamashichi's like I did it! <laughs> We're like, no, Yamashichi, it was the rats. The rats did it. And then there's like a weird like think, meta outro. Yeah! I felt like I'd just been tricked into watching edutainment. Because, like, it's just straight up, like, a PowerPoint presentation about, like, the history of the production of this play. With, it's like, so there's, weird. like, literally, like, and it's, it's, like, a fucking, like, there's, like, a still of, like, some, like, ukiyo-e art of this story and, like, from the theater museum of Waseda University. <laughs> and then, like... It's all live action too. This, this, yeah. this, 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 like this meta bit, except for except for the narrator who is like the author, uh, Namboku. That was the thing the that fourth. made me feel the most like this was edutainment was, it was like pu- putting the author the in a story to talk to you. It's just like it's a was, classic and, edutainment. Move. Oh yeah, yeah. But then like having him, um, like overlaid into the live action. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. About how like. Uh, like productions of the play and the and film versions have been plagued by mysterious Which accidents. You, I, I, and then I was like, "Oh fuck, this is Macbeth. This is yeah, actually then, Macbeth." Oh, oh, Macbeth has that same tradition too. Yes, Macbeth. Yeah. So you're not supposed to say Macbeth in a theater um, oh. because it will invite oh. the curse. And the explanation basically is that Macbeth. Oh, I think is, I've heard that Macbeth has always been a really popular play, and so struggling yeah. theaters would often put on Macbeth, and then it would often mm. not be enough to save them, and so then they would close down. And so the idea of this curse being like, if you put, if you uh. perform Macbeth at your theater, and then that got extended because the the whole idea is that like the in the first scene with the 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 weird sisters in Macbeth, where they they make they make like the brew and tell uh tell Macbeth about his fate. Um, he, they, it's said that Shakespeare used an actual witch's brew, uh, and that, and that the witches were upset with their secrets getting out, and so they put a curse on the play. Um, Ooh. and so if you're in, if you're, so you're not supposed to say Macbeth in a theater unless you are rehearsing or performing Macbeth. Uh, and outside of that, you're supposed to say, usually you say the Scottish play, or if you're referring to the character, you might say Mackers. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they, if all of those traditions, and then there's all sorts of like weird stuff about like if you accidentally say Macbeth in a theater, what you're supposed to do. Uh, it's like throw like, salt over your shoulder. Yes. Yeah. You're, you can throw salt over your shoulder. There's somewhere you have to like do laps around the, the theater. There's somewhere you have to, you have to say a bunch, you have to do laps. You, sometimes you have to say a bunch of curse words. Uh, and then sometimes you can also, uh, recite lines from the Merchant of Venice, which is considered to be a lucky play. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he says, then our little author narrator says something cute about how, like, the fear has made the curse into reality. Uh, and he, I so he says, yeah, tried- su- such curses only exist because the audience desires them to. Yeah, so it feels like you're making a, trying to make a, some point about, like, how we, how, like, how, like perpetuate. The, 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 yeah, the idea that those... this play is particularly cursed is is an idea that exists because we want it to exist because we right, like the exactly. idea of a play being cursed. Yeah, you know, and I feel like it's it's only reinforced by the fact that like this curse doesn't just exist for this play, but also exists for Macbeth in a completely different oh, culture. Sure. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, like there's and, and like the idea of like cursed productions, like even like specifically like uh like even specific productions, like the idea that like the Twilight Zone movie was cursed. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like it's it's just a popular idea. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah, uh, so yeah, the Yotsuya Kaidan, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting in yeah. the sense, it, it's more interesting than it is entertaining, um, <laughs> in, a, in a lot of ways, because it's, it's, yeah, I'd say so. you know, there's, there's always a fine line to walk with, like, adaptations of classic literature, um, yeah. or, or it, it can be very tricky to make them interesting without also, like, going overboard and producing, like, feminist Beowulf. um where it's like oh shit uh you're trying way too hard to relate to the teens um because because oftentimes like these things are produced in such different cultural circumstances or just because they're so much older you get like a sort of like seinfeld effect where it's like it becomes impossible to understand why this was considered important or revolutionary or popular in the time because (laughs) it's so normal um yeah um, you know, like, like everything that this thing is doing is so normal to us now that it's very difficult to, to interpret it as, uh, or, and, and especially like, and you get this a lot with Shakespeare where like the plots of Shakespeare plays. So like, like earlier I made a joke about Hamlet doing nothing, which is like super not true about that play. But the reason why everybody thinks that Hamlet does nothing for like most of that play is because we all know the plot of Hamlet. And so we know that Claudius killed King Hamlet. But if you were watching that play and you didn't know anything about the story, there's no way you could know that for certain until the scene, until the confession scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything that's, that Hamlet does makes sense, but it doesn't make sense anymore if you know the ending. Yeah. Um, you know, and, it, and it's it's very, very similar here. Like, I, I imagine that, like, you know, it's it's sort of obvious, like, how this sort of stuff is going to go, even though I'm not Japanese and I'm not familiar with this play, just because like stuff like this is so common in Japanese media and in media around the world that it's like, Oh, well I know, I know the, all the plot beats already. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. That, that's probably why the last one is yeah. so much better is because they, they aren't, so, they're, they're, they're drawing from a, a specific kind of folk yeah. idea, but they're not, not a specific story. Yeah. And so like goblin cats or, or demon cats, are a thing yeah and but uh this at least as far as i can tell yeah this isn't this isn't based on a specific uh yeah story yeah it's just based on like the idea of of what a bakeneko is so just a cat yeah which is a cat who's evil Uh, (laughs) i would i in particular would argue that all cats are goblins wow uh, which is why we love them. Oh yeah, the, the one really f- funny part I like I liked from the um, like the history of the Bakeneko uh, is one folk belief about the Bakeneko is they lick lamp oil. Um, it is said that a cat lick this oil is an omen of an impending strange event. Uh, people in the early modern period used cheap fish oil and lamps, e.g. sardine oil. That, w- that would explain the cat's line to lick them. Also, at the time, the Japanese diet was based on grains and vegetables, and while the leftovers were fed to cats, that they're carnivores, and so they would, they would have wanted more protein and fat, and therefore even more attracted to the oil. Uh, <laughs> so they're like freaking out at the cats, <laughs> trying to get their, their fish oil. That's Moreover, the sight of a fish stand sight of a fish sight of a cat standing on its hind legs to reach a lamp, its face lit with anticipation, could have seemed eerie and unnatural, like a yokai. <laughs> <laughs> I love the 
uh, editorializing in the Wikipedia. It's it's a face lit with anticipation. So Bakke Neko. So the one thing about about Bakke Neko that is that is really notable is the style. It's done in this really adventurous, like sort of style meant to like imitate like ukiyo-e art. Um, you know, like um, fucking what's the what's the fucking fool's name? What is the goddamn uh Hokusai? Uh, the the guy who did the Great War of Kanagawa, um, or uh, Hiroshige, who did like a series called the Fifty Stations of the uh, Tokaido, uh, and so it's it's designed to sort of look like that, and it's so much better looking than the other two. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it, it looks really really cool. The only thing that is sort of sucky about it is that the version that we had is in pretty low resolution and I just every time I was watching it I just wanted this in just like the crispest highest def that I could possibly get my hands on <laughs> like, cuz it would look so good but unfortunately we only had it in like SD. And so it's about this medicine seller uh who shows up at uh sh- shows up at this like family's like compound uh, they're like, it's not like a castle. It's like a bunch of different buildings enclosed by a fence. Um, you know, it's their, just kind of like their house, but it's, it's separate buildings. Um, and he shows up at their place to like ostensibly to sell medicine. Uh, but it's the wedding day of their daughter, whose name is Mal. And she, Nothing bad could happen on the wedding day. So they don't need medicine. And so Mal is like, she's marrying to this, this other guy, uh, from this other clan to clear their debts. Um, and then, so the medicine peddler, basically, uh, they don't want him around, but then he gets, he gets invited in by this maid, um, Kayo, Kayo uh, and they go into the kitchen and then he sees a rat and like a bunch of rat traps. And he's just like, why don't you guys just get a cat? Uh, and they're like, we don't have cats around here. <laughs> and yeah. And Kayo who rules, uh, yeah, is she's like someone around here doesn't like cats. And Sato, who I think is an older servant, um, over here is like, what are you telling him? Um, and no, Sato's not a servant. She's like, she's uh, like one of the ladies. Oh, oh, I yes. see. Um, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, uh, this man is Kasururi. Kasuriuri. Yeah, and. So, like, if, for the first thing, basically the first thing he does is, like, tell Kaya about all the weird, like, sex drugs he's got. Yeah, he has, like, a uh, whole, he carries this, like, he's carrying, like, a chest of drawers on his back, and, like, he has a whole <laughs> drawer that's just full of pornography. Oh, yeah. Um, and he, and Kaya is, like, po- medicine seller, I'm going into battle, if I need only your strongest medicine. Uh... <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, he's, so they're just, they're just goofing off. Um, showing all then, this, like, weird shit that he's got. And then Mao just suddenly fucking dies. Yes, she dies mysteriously. Um, and, and obviously she was, she was stabbed, um, by seemingly nothing. And then, despite the fact that it's impossible, the Lord suspects the medicine peddler, and then he gets tied up. Um, and they search, they search him, and instead they find, they find this sword. They f- and pornography. And they find the pornography, yes, but they're less concerned about that than this sword, which they mysteriously can't unsheath. Uh, and he says that it's, it's, speci- it's a special kind of sword. So one, they're all very surprised that he has a sword because he's a medicine seller and they're not supposed to have swords. Um, 
And then he also, and he explains that it's not a regular sword, it's a sword for killing evil spirits, Mononoke. Uh, and that it, 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 it's not that it's, it has like some secret mechanism for unsheathing. Basically, like the, he, he gets, so like the, the house basically gets like attacked by this, by the demon again. And so he, cat, like, puts like a million fucking like paper wards on the walls. Uh, in this in this very strange scene, um, what are those fucking things called? Uh, Fuda. Yes, those. Um, and so he puts a, a million of those on the walls to keep the the cat out, to keep the the evil cat spirit. Um, and so he and then he explains that he his sword will only unsheath itself once he has discerned the shape, truth, and motive of the demon. Um, so it turns into like a, a like a mystery. Yeah. So he has to figure out like what kind of spirit is this, and it's like it almost feels like this was this is where it feels the most like this is a pilot for an ongoing series that they just sort of shoved onto the end of this. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks. You know, because like this is very clearly like it's no surprise this guy got his own spinoff series because this is so yeah. easily like extendable into like a uh, it's just, like, it's a like a detective serial yeah, yeah. It's a detective procedural but about evil spirits and with a guy who has just really cool makeup and just like the freshest nails in the universe <laughs> his nails are so cool he has these like really like yeah. long like blue nails he's a cool Peel. dude <laughs> fuck you sea green sea green sea foam green fuck you <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and so yeah he has all these all these wacky demon wards so he puts all the yeah all the, all the little charm barrier charms on the wall and then he pulls out these little like magic scales yeah and then for some reason kaya he needs kaya to help him <laughs> i <laughs> interpreted like, that scene as, as not kaya helping him but as him like uh like basically allowing kaya to help him just like i don't really need uh, you but like i'm i'm I, uh, just what's the fucking word empowering her no it's it's more condescending than that uh oh humoring her yes that's it yeah he's just <laughs> sort of humoring her by letting her play with the the funky magic toys um, so uh so they, and then they also he also goes and gets salt yes uh, well it's not not just him so the so so the fucking 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 divorced sad dad samurai otajima uh who's just like the most hangdog looking fucking motherfucker <laughs> you've ever seen <laughs> like he has like the samurai sh- like um head where the part of the he- part of the head is shaved um but it, like that looks like a five o'clock shadow and then he's got a five o'clock shadow oh yeah uh and also his and- <laughs> chin looks like a butt he's got mega butt chin <laughs> so he so he doesn't trust um our our androgynous hero so that he goes with and then kayo wants to be useful and or she's into into the medicine peddler uh she comes along who wouldn't be And, and so they go to the kitchen and she trips on some oil Oh, the cats! The cats like oil. Remember? Yeah. Remember what you've learned? Maybe that's edutainment. That's going on. Edutainment. Uh, and then she finds the little thing of sake because the yeah the original reason was that one of the old one of the old dudes of the house 
is just like thinks the entire thing is very funny. Uh, and so just to be a dick, he tells first Sato, then Kaya to go bring him some sake. And so because uh, Kasuriuri is very nice and can read a room, um, he's like, well, as it happens, I need to go get salt from the kitchen. I'll go grab the sake while I'm at it. Uh, anyway, that's how that's how they that's how their little adventure gets started. Yeah, and then they go so out to get the salt. He gives the salt and, to the to Butchin guy. Yeah, and, and Butchin is like, "This is so heavy." And he's it's like, like, "It's a lot of salt." No, no, he says it's so that I can't poison it. And they go back to the house, and he and he goes, "So what is this?" And he and and then the medicine teller says, "You've never seen salt before." And he's like, "I know it's salt." <laughs> and so yeah, that then he then he makes a little 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 salt barrier, uh, and then they hear ding ling 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 ling. One of the little scales, yeah, it has little bells on them. So when once that gets pushed down, you hear a little tinkle tinkle. Um, and so there's this cool bit where you you you're just watching like scales get like pushed down as the demon gets closer uh, and then it stops at the salt barrier it starts yes. moving sideways trying to find a way through and then somehow it gets through uh, it like disintegrates the salt barrier at one point or it's because one of the ladies becomes basically like it, the Wikipedia article says Lady Mizue becomes unhinged after grieving over her dead daughter which enables the demon to materialize. Uh, I thought that was. I thought that was after, because she, because um, yeah, Mizue, because it says uh, loses uh, her shit like once Mao gets possessed. She loses her shit a few times. Yeah, but I thought that was. The, I thought the at some point the demon possesses dead um, wife to be Mao. Uh, and Mizue freaks the fuck out, understandably, and yeah. then starts and then starts screaming at everyone. Um, and that that's when everything goes starts going to shit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah the 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 exact the exact mechanics of the demon crossing the line are. are and we also find out that Sato was the, bought bought a bunch of cats. So that yeah, the samurai so that, could use them to, to to cut them in half to test yeah, the sharpness yeah, of their the swords. Fuck, man! Which, like, man, so, is like bamboo not good enough for you? Apparently, like, cat skin is like most similar to human skin or some shit. Well, and the, the, uh, the explanation that they give is that they have thick skin but fragile bones. I don't know, man. So yeah, so this is when this is before the demon gets in when they're when they're waiting and and. Um, Kasuriuri is trying to figure out the the shape, truth, and motive, and he's like, "So who could have?" So so okay, so he's like, so he's like, he's pacing around Columbo style. So what do we know? Uh, we know there are no cats. What's the deal with what's the what's the deal with the cats here? And then Kayo's like, "Um, sometimes when cats grow come inside, I I shoo them away and like." spray them with water could that that can't be it right he's like it, it could be let's not rule anything out um and then yeah he's basically like Kayo demons can hold like, grudges over all sorts of weird shit yeah so poor Kayo is like beating herself up over like 
splashing a cat once in her life. And then Sato's like, actually, we murdered tons of cats. For <laughs> recreational purposes. Because <laughs> Rui is like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, and then, and then the so, demon yeah. gets in, possesses Mao. Um, her mom uh, loses her shit, like, opens the door to the outside, and you see the cats. Yeah, a really so cool shot cats. of a bunch of cats. And then, yeah. All, all, yeah, just the outside is just completely red. Uh, full of red cats and then you see oh yeah she's she's um she says it's all tamaki's fault and uh kusuriuri is like who the fuck is tamaki and then she she whips open the door and you see this ghost uh and that's tamaki Uh, and the demon tries to get in one of the one of the dudes tries to attack it and gets eaten yeah, um, it gets eaten by the wall, and then and then Kaya's uh, the only one who keeps her head and throws the rest of the salt at it, and it um, has some indigestion, and they they retreat further in, where the granddad and Mao are chilling. Well, Mao is dead, but granddad is chilling, and then being dead uh, is kind of like chilling. True. The final, the final chill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what they call it. And then, old man Yoshiyuki is like, "There's a you can you can retreat retreat even further." And they go downstairs to this weird secret room, and they find a this uh, wedding kimono um, that suddenly turns demonic red. And then this is when Sato says that it's all old man Yoshiyuki's fault. Um, that the cats are attacking and because Kusuriuri's sword hasn't come out yet he knows that the the cat killing isn't like the full story so he's like alright alright old man spell it uh, yeah and then they get uh, um, an elaborate story um, so basically tells so Yoshiyuki tells uh, the medicine seller about how 25 years ago he kidnapped this woman named Tamaki, um, who he kept as, as his mistress, and then she died young. Um, so yeah, he 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 gives this extremely implausible story. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I just wanted to like give her a scare, and if and I was I was gonna take her back as soon as she like like freaked out, but she didn't, so I had no choice but to keep her. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, the, the Bakeneko, like, busts through into the place where they're hiding, and the medicine seller attempts to, to unsheath his sword, but he can't do it. Um, like, it open like, he, like, he, uh, uh, he thought, he thought he had all the, all the facts, but he doesn't. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, uh, he gets, like, inhaled by the demon. <laughs> He gets like sucked in, uh, and then he sees a vision from the demon. So like the vision, it, it, like the demon basically tells him what's up, which is that obviously this Tamaki character was not a uh, willing uh, mistress of of this old guy, but was in fact uh, being kept in a cage, um, and she was abused frequently, and she had a but she had a cat, and then 
the other Yoshikuni tries to rape her, and then uh, he so gets that's, caught. That's, yes, yeah. that's that's the, that's the uh, son of the old dude who the one the one the one who's just been sitting around thinking the entire thing is very funny the entire time, and who asked for sake. Yeah. So yeah, his son, uh, and then the grandpa, the sake guy, beats. No, so, uh, old old Yoshiyuki is the guy with the old white-haired yeah. fucker. Sake is Yoshikuni. Okay, okay. So Sake is Yoshikuni. Yeah. Okay, Yoshiyuki. Yeah. I don't remember the Sake thing very well. Um, okay. So, so Yoshiyuki. So then old guy... Basically kills Tamaki. Yeah, beats the crap uh, out of Tamaki. And then the cat attacks him. And then she dies. Uh, tells the cat to go and live a, live, live a free life. And the cat is like, that means turning into a demon. Well, uh, no, it was it was more that it didn't. It, 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 yeah. it instead of going away and living it, it dedicated itself to revenge. Yeah, like a good cat does. Yes, so it dedicates itself to revenge and becomes a demon. Uh, and then the medicine seller t- pulls out the sword, which is finally uh, fi- fi- he's finally able to use, and it's like this like weird like infinite lightsaber thing. Uh, and he fights the demon. Um, and he turns into a different a guy who looks different and and is like ripped and, and gold. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> got new makeup. Yeah, uh, and and a he, tan. Yeah, he's yeah he gets tanned and ripped and gold. He's uh, <laughs> just just a, a surfer. <laughs> uh, and then he fights the demon, and then the demon goes back to, to from whence it came. Uh, and there's a little baby kitty on the ground. Yes. I'm finally free. Uh, and then, yep. Yeah, and then post credits, uh, the it's just, it, like, so somehow Yoshi Yuki, old, old, old fucker dude, survives when everyone, everyone else gets eaten. Um, so yeah, just before the cat demon eats Kasuriuri and he sees the true memory, uh, it eats everybody else every everyone except oldest dude yoshiyuki um odajima uh the ratty samurai and kayo it like eats them up and like they just like it like disgorges them into body parts and blood it's very weird and gruesome uh and so so that's that's sato that is yoshikuni that is whoever else was left uh Sasoaka, Sasa, all, everyone, everyone who was complicit, basically, in uh, Tamaki's torture, and then I guess leaves Yoshiyuki alive to kind of like live with the ruin of his house or something. Think, think about what you've done. At, la- at yeah. long last, sir, have you no decency? So, at, at the end, it's like he stays to kind of, like, just kind of die eventually, the and then Kaya's like, well. I'm going back to my parents' house. And Odajima is like, well, fuck if I know what I'm going to do. And Kasuriuri is like, time for my next case. And then as he leaves, he sees the ghosts of Tamaki and her kitty uh, leaving the house finally free and happy. All right. But, uh, uh, yeah, so I think that, like, my favorite part of the, of, 
this was like in the third episode just before so this is like after Yoshiyuki has given his like fake version of the story um, and the demon is about to break through and Kasuryu can't draw his sword yet and like instead of like helping him or like trying to try and like unravel the truth they're just they just start screaming at each other oh yeah like trying to just like trying to each each trying to blame the other like it's so like sato like, like starts choking i think kaya yeah like yeah sato starts choking oh kaya yoshiyuki starts choking odajima the the other dudes start like screaming at each other <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like it's 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 like the most well done and like realistic part of the of the whole thing. Yeah. There's just all of these terrible people screaming at each other and trying desperately to not be the one to not be responsible. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cuz yeah, because they were all complicit. So like Yeah. Yeah, Yoshikuni was the one who tried to rape her. Yoshiyuki was the one who stole her to begin with. Uh Sasaoka uh helped bury the body. And Sato just was shit to her when she was imprisoned. Yeah. And so yeah. And so and so yeah. So that's, um, but yeah. It, like throughout throughout it, like you see them all trying to kind of like first when they're lying about. I don't know if they, I don't know if like the twenty cast thing is even true. Um, they may have just been trying to make up something to kind of explain the, what's yeah. going on. Uh, and but they're yeah they're constantly like. Blaming each other, like making shit up, like backbiting. It's 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 fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. It's a good good thing. And probably probably next Halloween, you should watch Mononoke. Okay. Um, which you you'll get to pick the next Halloween, so you better hold up your end of the bargain. Okay. Okay. Uh. Anyway, I think that's I think that's Ayakashi. I think we've pretty much covered it. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, I mean, watch Baki and Echo. Maybe, maybe watch, uh, Yotsuya Kaidan if you're, like, really interested in seeing an adaptation of that particular story, but it's not, like, super notable otherwise. But I would say watch Baki and Echo and probably watch Mononoke. I haven't seen Mononoke, so I don't know if it, if it holds up to the high standards set by Baki and Echo, but it will certainly look cool. Yeah. It's got that going for it. Uh, so Alex, do you have a book yeah. to recommend? I do, actually. Talking about, uh, both uh the underworld and adapting adapting classics Ooh, um, you're gonna uh, recommend yeah. feminist beowulf god <laughs> i'm not what i am to recommend is alcestis by Catherine boitner uh which is a retelling of the myth of alcestis which is an ancient greek myth where she was uh the wife of a greek prince I forget exactly, but um, like he did something to anger the gods, and so um, so in the traditional telling, like she basically like chose to die in his place and went and went down to the underworld and it was like a like a noble sacrifice. Uh, in this telling, uh, it's basically like sh- she's just so fucking miserable, uh, and like her sister had already died, who was her like the only like her closest friend, and her parents had gone. Uh, so you're just like, fuck it. I'll get to see my sister again. Um, and she goes to the underworld and then, um, basically tries to find her, find her sister and figure out what the hell's going on. And then, uh, Persephone is 
This version of Persephone is extremely good. She's just like this like extremely manipulative and like horny goddess. Uh and I love a manipulative and horny goddess. <laughs> I mean it's basically just like I'm not saying the entire book is an excuse for us just to hate fuck Persephone, but like <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun book. Uh and it's one of the better like Modern Greek myth novelizations I've read. Uh, so this by Catherine Boitner. All right. I will, I guess I'll recommend something in the same vein, uh, which is, uh, so speaking of modern adaptations or not even adaptations, but just sort of retellings or versions of ancient stories. I'm going to recommend uh, the Emily Wilson translation of the Odyssey. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, which I f- very recently finished reading. Uh, it is, so I've never, so I, it's difficult for me to speak to the quality of translation because I've never read the Odyssey before in any other translation. Um, but I will say I was worried going into it that I would have trouble following the story because I'm not used to reading like epic poetry because epic poetry doesn't really exist anymore. You know, nobody's used to reading epic poetry. I'm not like, I was expecting like archaic language and all that bullshit. And it is nothing like that, but it is also twice in this in this episode i've made a joke about feminist beowulf uh (laughs) which is so it's this beowulf translation i don't fucking i don't know i neither know nor care who wrote it um but i've seen i've seen excerpts of it and it is everything that i hate in like a translation of old literature or uh, like an updated version of old literature like an adapt a more recent adaptation which is that it's it's trying so hard to appeal to the kids you know where like because you you have there's this sort of like there's there's three ways that you can uh that you can adapt these like something something old you know if you're translating or if you're doing just doing an adaptation and like one of them is to like maximum pump up like the archaicness to make you feel like you're reading something old um which is super annoying. It makes it really hard to read. It's just like, if you, there's no need for it because like, especially if you're translating something like, like Beowulf or like the Odyssey, it's like, well, you're translating it anyway. This language wouldn't have seemed archaic to the people reading it or listening to it at the time. Right. So there's no reason to make it seem archaic to me now. Um, and then simultaneously, but then simultaneously is the other angle where you can just go like maximum, like replace every single word with like the most contemporary, like slang version possible which is also super annoying because like one i don't need you to try that hard to get me interested in this story and like secondly like i don't think that most of these stories were written in a style that would have been like super hyper colloquial uh, at the time most of them were probably written in because and this is a thing like like it's a fairly recent concept at least in the english-speaking world the idea that literature should be written in like middle diction and like it should be written in like the way that people actually talk that's like a late 19th early 20th century idea um and before then you know like if you read we've talked about shakespeare also in this episode if you if you read shakespeare like no, people in Shakespeare times did not talk like Shakespeare's characters. First and foremost, because <laughs> they didn't talk in verse. They, people didn't construct <laughs> sentences entirely in iambic pentameter in the 1600s. Um, but also, 
because it was expected that if you were writing a play, if you were writing any work of literature in in Shakespeare's day, that you would write it in sort of heightened poetic language. That's what people wanted from their stories. That's what the expectation was. And it was only later in like the 19th century, 18th, 19th centuries, when it started to become more normal when you got writers like, uh, you know, very early, very, some, one of the earliest ones would be Mark Twain. You know, Mark Twain, very, rev- one of the things that he did that was very revolutionary was writing in the language that people that his characters would actually speak in instead of writing it in the most correct grammar possible um you know or like a a poet like robert frost like robert frost was one of the things that made him special was him writing in this in in a a very sort of common language like not necessarily in like colloquial language like would become common later in the 20th century but um in like you know language that you can just understand without too much effort um, and so anyway, getting back to the translation, it's written like that. It's written in a way because, because the other thing about it is that you, you do have to be aware that you're reading something old because context is important. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you have to know. And one of the best things about this translation is there, there is a very long introduction. The Wilson, I assume. <laughs> huh? The Wilson, I assume. <laughs> You said the bit, one of the best things about this translation. Oh, you're, not, you're talking about Beowulf no, translation. I'm not Odyssey talking about feminist Beowulf. No, <laughs> uh, I'm talking. I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, the Emily Wilson translation of the Odyssey. Uh, so one of the best okay. things about it is that it comes with this huge introduction, which basically is is a series of short essays on a bunch of topics related to. Uh, the Odyssey and a bunch of topics related to like how people would have experienced this, you know, like, like, and, and going all the way from like, just sort of like need to knows about like, what was the culture like that produced this? Because like a thing that is weird about the book to me and American living in the 21st century that wouldn't have been weird to the audience is the fact that like literally everywhere that anybody goes, they're like welcomed in with a feast and given a million gifts um, which is like a weird thing now, but like, you know, Zeus is the god, in addition to being the god of thunder, he's also the god of strangers. And so if you want to be, if you want Zeus to like you, and he is the king of gods, so you probably want him to like you, uh, you should be nice to strangers. Um, and there was this culture, and, and there's, there's, and it's not just like an explanation of that fact, but also an exploration of, of like what that means and for, and, and especially like for whom it applied. Um, you know, like, like there, the, the essay about that doesn't just stop at explaining what it is, but it, it, it goes into like, you know, like this was an expectation for people like the major characters in this play who are mostly royalty, you know, but if you weren't royalty, you could not expect this kind of treatment. Um, there's also a great essay about, uh, like the treatment of women in, in the story and the ways in which, like, it's difficult to sort of project, like, the, the ways, the difficulties in understanding the roles of women in the Odyssey using, like, contemporary feminist theory, which was designed to understand the roles of women in contemporary society. Um, but also not, like, defending the roles of women in, 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 in the play, but just sort of pointing out that like, it's, it's sort of more complicated because you're not just critiquing a story that was written this year. You're critiquing a story that was written 4,000 years ago, you know, or like, you know, 2000 years mm-hmm. ago. Um, and you know, there's a, another, uh, one in there about like the, about like slavery in, in the Odyssey, uh, and about like the sort of very, cause slavery is treated very casually in the Odyssey. Cause it was just a thing. Um, right. 
and and yeah it's it's just really really good and there's just a bunch of good stuff in there and then the the translation itself is just super clear you know it doesn't get in the way either by being super archaic or by constantly calling attention to how hip it is you know uh it 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 get it 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 the text gets out of the way to let you experience the story. And on top, like, it's, so it's all written, so the original, the Odyssey was originally written in dactylic hexameter, which is, like, the typical meter of, like, Greek epic poetry. Uh, yeah. But it's not, dactylic hexameter doesn't really work in English, because we don't construct words that way. Um, and instead, basically, the equivalent of dactylic hexameter in English is iambic pentameter. So the Odyssey is written in, this translation of the Odyssey is written in iambic pentameter, which is a pretty common choice. Uh, for translations of the Odyssey. Um, but Emily Wilson is very, very good at it. And she writes Ambic Pentameter like Shakespeare would have, or like John Milton would have, in that it's a thing that you adopt most of the time, and if necessary, you can break out of it, or you can have fragmented lines, or lines that are a little bit too long, and it's fine, because the story and the text and the sound of the words is more important than fitting into any particular, like, rule. You know, mm. the rule is just like there as a guideline. But if the rule is too restrictive, the rule should break before the sound of the words should get worse. Um, yeah, it's just really, really, really good. Um, you know, and, it, and it's a great way if you've never read the Odyssey to read it and to you get to you get to hear a lot of there's just a lot of stuff in the Odyssey that is much like with this story, with the stories that we've we've we what we saw in, in Ayakashi, you know, like you you get to see, like, oh, this is where that comes from. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, like, that's the the really fun thing for me about reading classics a lot of the time. Like, sometimes, like a, a lot of the time, a classic, like, you get sort of two things out of it. One of which is you get to be like, oh, this is where that comes from. That's a reference to this. You know, like, none of the people that I thought were creative actually were creative. They were just referencing things that I hadn't read and assuming that I hadn't read them so that I would think that they were creative. Um, that's the trick to art, by the way. Nobody is creative. <laughs> Everybody is just trying to make increasingly obscure references so that the peep, so that their target audience doesn't understand their references and they think that you just made, <laughs> that you just came up with them. This is universally true. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. The only, tr- the only translation I've read of actually both is the Richmond, Richmond Lattimore mm. ones. Both the Odyssey um, and Beowulf, you mean? <laughs> and the Iliad. Oh, the Iliad. Uh, and they're and they're good. They they're like I think. I mean, they're known to be. I don't know. If st- stiff is the right word. They're the standard translation. The st- they are the standard translation. I know, yeah. I, and I know they're they're like I don't know if they're compared, but like the for a while, kind of the new hip translation was Robert Fagel's. Um, and I don't. I haven't read it. My dad doesn't like. Robert Fagels. I don't know. I trust your dad. I do. I do too. In this case, uh, uh, but by all, but let's and I don't. I let's, last time I talked to him, I don't think he'd read Emily Wilson, but he'd heard good things. Yeah, um, and I, I haven't heard any bad things, honestly. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've definitely not really heard any bad things. And and if you if you like me find the act of translation really interesting, Emily Wilson has a Twitter page, uh, and she I like found on her website she has a bunch of like stuff links that she's posted about on Twitter and also on her website about like what does it mean to translate this sort of stuff? Like what are the difficulties of translating the Odyssey into English? Um, you know, she did a Twitter thread. I usually hate Twitter threads, but this one was was pretty good about like specific just a specific itemized list of difficulties 
translating the Odyssey into English, which is... Yeah, I remember she did like a thing, of a whole long thing about just the very first mm. line. Yeah, she did throw it out the very first line, but she, she talked about how like one difficulty is that English does not have a specific word for a person who is a descendant of Zeus, but not in a special way. <laughs> <laughs> yes like like greek there's a specific word in ancient greek for that there's not a word for that in 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 english um you know but it's and you know she's talking about like why a perfect translation of the odyssey into english is impossible and it's just like because language is a product of culture and the language of ancient greek is a product of a culture very very different from the language of english uh so and like when you're translating something from one language to another you're also in a sense translating something from one culture to another um yeah it's it's really interesting it's 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 good stuff and like on top of that like there's a bunch of stuff that like even like i've known like the basic plot of the odyssey for a very long time um but there's stuff that like and it it goes back honestly to that conversation that we had about or that that point that i brought up about hamlet and knowing the plot of hamlet which is that like a thing that i didn't really know about the odyssey until i read this translation was that like the first like five or six books of the odyssey are like uh, odysseus isn't even in them and they're kind of a mystery story um you know where like if you don't go in like i know the reader that odysseus is like on an island with calypso being miserable but if you just but from the beginning that's not specified like, it's just, nobody knows where Odysseus is, and Telemachus is going to go and f- try and oh, find out. right, 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 right. You know? Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, so it's Telemachus is, is doing his, like, where, where the fuck is my dad? Yeah. Um, and then, and yeah. That's, and then, yeah, there's the whole, and there's the whole, the whole, um, all the suitors are getting increasingly violent, and... Yeah. His mom's like, Telemachus, get the fuck out of here before you get murdered. Yeah. And so t- it's, a, it's a whole, like, thriller almost. <laughs> yeah, it's like a weird, it's like a mystery thriller until you find out where Odysseus is, you know, yeah. and how much of, like, like a thing that I, I didn't realize is that the story of the Trojan horse is in the Odyssey, not the Iliad. Um, uh, well, it's told, it's kind of, yeah, it's told in, like, retrospect. Yeah, in, in the uh, Odyssey, because there's this long section in the middle of the Odyssey where um, Odysseus winds up in the island of the Phaeacians, uh, mm-hmm. and he, and they're just like, tell us stories of the Trojan War, and so there's, like, several, like, two books that are just him telling stories about the Trojan yeah. War, and, like, telling, talking about, like, all, and that's where you get, like, so, like, it's not like, like, I knew about, like, for instance, Scylla and Charybdis, but that is not a thing that happens in the story. It's a thing that Odysseus tells other people about it happening in right, retrospect. When we, when we first meet Odysseus in the Odyssey, it's like, it's like, he's about to, he's just been, like, um, he's finally been washed ashore, like, near home and like the entire thing is just him like retelling the story yeah when we yeah when we first meet Uh, him he's he's on calypso's island and then one of the gods i forget who i think it's Athena. i think athena convinces zeus to come down and be like you need to let this man go um (laughs) yeah and close is like really and and he's like (laughs) yes really um and so then then he he gets let go on like a boat and then the Poseidon because like the reason Odysseus is like gets like sent on this whole wild goose chase around around the Mediterranean Sea and doesn't get to go home for 10 years is because of another story that he tells in retrospect which is the story of of Polyphemus 
um, and him showing up on the island of the Cyclops and then just, like, blinding this Cyclops who happened to be Poseidon's son, um, you know, basically just, like, shows up and he's like, well, there's a bunch of cheese here. We'll just eat some cheese. And the Cyclops shows up and is like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's just like, don't you know you're supposed to be ho- have hospitality towards strangers? And the Cyclops is like, what is fucking wrong with you? Um, <laughs> I'm going to kill all of you. You ate my cheese. I was going to eat that. I need a lot more cheese than you because I'm huge. Um, and then Odysseus is like... Yeah, because yeah, then, then, then he kills Polyphemus. He doesn't kill him, he uh, blinds him. Which is the important thing, because he blinds him, and then because the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the strategy that he pulls is he t- says to Polyphemus that his name is No Man, um, and then he gets on the boat, and so then Polyphemus is screaming, No Man is hurting me! No Man is killing me! And all the other Cyclops <laughs> on the island are like, well, it seems like nothing's wrong. No Man's killing him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then what what gets Odysseus in trouble is that while he's sailing away, he just can't resist the idea that his clever trick of, of sneaking out on the underbellies of the sheep is gonna be uh is gonna be attributed to no man. So then he like screams. He's such a yeah, he's such an asshole. So then he screams back, and don't forget, I'm not my name's not no man, it's Odysseus. Remember that name. <laughs> Um, obviously, yeah. Polyphemus is like, I am the fucking son of a god. Yeah, and then you just gave like, me your goddamn name. Yeah, he calls up Poseidon and is like, hey, you know that Odysseus guy? Kill him. <laughs> and Poseidon's like, I will do my best. <laughs> His best is not good enough. Not good enough, but uh, it does enough. kill everybody else. So yeah, he's, he tried. And they ate some of the cheese too, so they're partially responsible. True. Moral of the story. Never steal you cheese know, from geez. a cyclops. <laughs> uh, anyway, that was a really long recommendation, but I do just like talking about the Odyssey. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that that's the the translation of the Odyssey by Homer, but the translation is by Emily Wilson. Uh, also, the, I have the, the physical copy of the book because I'm, I'm a physical books nerd. Uh, and it's a, it's good. It is a good book. It is a good looking oh, yeah. book. Like, the cover I, is yeah, gorgeous. I saw, I saw it in a bookstore and I was like, I almost bought it, even though like I've already read the Odyssey and I don't really plan on reading it again soon just because it's such a good looking book. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good looking book. Strong recommend. Even just to keep on your shelf to impress people and make them think that you've read it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have read it. Yeah. Uh, well, not you, but just, you know, our readers oh, who may. Right. Yes. Who may not be yes. interested in actually reading the Odyssey, but may be interested in appearing to be the kind of person who reads the Odyssey. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. I still need to read how to talk about books you haven't read. Mm. I feel like I don't need to read that because I'm kind of a master of it. Hey! I'm, already, I'm so good at talking about books I haven't read. I mean, yeah, if you need to read it, like, you got work, you, like, yeah, it's kind of a... The... One of these days, I'm going to give a recommendation on this show. I haven't yet. I will. I, I swear. I'll swear on a stack of Bibles that I haven't yet given a recommendation for a book that I haven't read. Um, <laughs> but one of these days, and uh, keep keep an eye out, dear readers, uh, for first one to first one to call it get, gets a gets a gets a prize. Yeah, for I'll I'll eventually uh, recommend a book that I haven't read. And yeah, if you send in an email uh, telling me that I that I actually obviously have, but you only get one chance. Obviously, then, if you've emailed us before. Yeah, I will mock you on this stream for being such a nerd. <laughs> anyway, Alex, 
yes. it's your turn to recommend or to suggest or to to not suggest or recommend in fact enforce <laughs> what anime we will watch oh my oh next my. month well so what is it yeah well i was running out of things that like i really wanted to see and so i decided to just do a big fuck you to both of us <laughs> oh, watching God. We're watching Grieve of the Fireflies next month. Okay. That's that's a good movie. I know, but it'll probably make us both miserable. It will probably make us both miserable. It'll definitely make you miserable. I have, I'm a, a stone-hearted motherfucker, so I will probably that's feel true. nothing. Okay. Um, well. But anyway, so yeah. I, I will ho- as, as usual, I'll end up hoisting myself. Yeah. I, I like kind of hoisted myself uh, this month. A little bit, yeah. Especially in the beginning, I was like, wow, cats really hoisted themselves. Yeah, I was definitely convinced that I'd hoisted myself. But then after the first story was over, I was like, okay, this is only oh, this is only a moderate hoisting. Then by the end of Bucket Neck, I was like, all right, all right. I haven't been unhoisted. Partially. Partially unhoisted. <laughs> but yes, anyway, that's that's Grave of Fireflies, directed by Isao Takahata, produced by Studio Ghibli. Uh, so, Alex, where can people find you on the internet? Online! Uh, at Twitter, my username is Dun Dun Dun. On Mastodon, I'm Catalina at selfie.army. That's selfie with a Y. I sometimes stream on trash.cloud. And I think that's it. Cass, what about you? Uh, you can find my Twitter at prophet underscore goddess. You can find my Mastodon at prophet underscore goddess at skeleton.cool. Uh, you can find my video games at profitgoddess.itch.io, no underscore. I stream on <gasps> Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash profit underscore goddess. Uh, and you can find the show on Twitter at Anime is for Jerks. You can find the show on Mastodon at Anime is for Jerks at skeleton.cool. Uh, you so can you, fi- say, you say skeleton.cool is a single, single user instance, but it's really two users. It's Yeah, but they're all me. No. One of them is both of us, but you never you never <laughs> post on Discord. Because you haven't given me the password. I won't, I never will. Uh, oh yeah, you can email the show at animeisforjerks at gmail dot com. We received no emails this week, as per usual. Uh, fuckers. Yeah, fuckers. And then you can nothing else. There's no there's nothing else. That's it. I think. Uh, so we'll see you. We need to talk for. We need, we need to talk for Five and a half more minutes so we can get a nice two hour. Absolutely not. Um, Fuck. All right. I'm hoping to cut this thing down to 90 minutes. Nice. Uh, at, at, at the most. Yeah. Anyway. Good night, everyone. Good night. And remember, the map is not the territory. <laughs>
心的